Welcome to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. I'm your host, Donald Miller. I'm joined by my co-host, J.J. Peterson. Hi, Don. How are you, J.J.? Fantastico. J.J., you're a successful guy. <laughs> okay, yes, You travel sir. the world. Yes. Whenever you go to a conference or something, like people, they want to meet you more than they want to meet you. They want, they want your autograph. They want pictures with you. And this is not the first time you've achieved this kind of success. You had, yeah. the, you had a bit of like the acting success. Uh-huh. Then you had the YouTube video success. A lot of people don't know. But in the old days, maybe like five or seven years ago, if uh-huh. you went to a conference, there was a good chance that the countdown clock <laughs> had a video of JJ dancing. Yeah. Like by yourself. Yeah. yeah. It was me in a Santa costume, <laughs> <laughs> which all came from that I went to see the Ellen show and she records everybody dancing like a right, half right, right. hour ahead of time. Yeah. And basically that week, she was like, This is one of my favorite dancers of the week. And so she put me up on like on the show like twice. And then when they did the 500 episodes, she put her favorite dancers from the first 500 episodes and I opened and closed that segment. You are kidding. No. <laughs> so you were like yeah, one you didn't know and this story. This is not a setup. This one and 10 for top 10? No, they didn't do 10. They just did a whole bunch of dancers. And so, yeah. And you, and they opened and closed yeah, on Yeah, opened and closed. So and that got you that, a gig. That got me a gig that <laughs> where I dressed in a Santa costume and danced <laughs> for five minutes. Literally, it's a five-minute countdown at, for conferences and churches and meetings around Christmas time. If you want Santa dancing with a five-minute countdown and, clock. And that... Got me basically, ultimately through a bunch of different things, got me an audition to dance with Missy Elliott. And then I danced in a Missy Elliott music video. (laughs) You're actually an incredible dancer. So if you go to Chingling, if you find the the, the video. What is Chingling? Is that video? That's the video. No, Chingling was the Missy Elliott music video I dance in. So like, go to YouTube, Chingling, Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott, Chingling. And you're in it. Yeah. And you're, you're Michael Jackson, right? I was fat Michael Jackson, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> there was, there really is like a whole thing of where like they brought me in. I thought I was dancing to Dance Dance Revolution. They loved me. I'd go in, show up on set, and I'm like super excited about it. This is a big thing. And I show up on set, and the security guard is there, and I say, hi, I'm JJ. I'm here for the Dance Dance Revolution scene. And he goes, oh, fat Michael Jackson. And, and I you had like, no idea. I know. I go, no, no, I'm I'm Dance Dance Revolution. He's like, yeah, no, you're ass fat Michael Jackson. You're supposed to like do this ass fat Michael Jackson. And so the whole time I'm like going, well, okay. So they get on the radio and they're just like, fat Michael Jackson's here, but he doesn't know he's fat Michael Jackson. And they're like the whole day, they just kept calling me fat Michael Jackson. As has been done to all yeah, of us. Yeah, if I had a nickel. And so then I go up to wardrobe and <laughs> I'm there in wardrobe and they put on my pants and they hand me a medium t-shirt. And if you know me, I do not wear medium. <laughs> And I said, I'm sorry, this isn't going to fit. And they said, uh, this isn't That's supposed the to. That's costume, yeah. This isn't supposed to, basically. And they're not going to show your face. They're just going to show your jiggle jaggle. That helps. Everywhere. I know. So I go back to the dressing room and I am like, I'm pissed. I'm like, do I leave? I'm, I'm realizing like, I'm not part of the joke. Like I am the joke. Like this is where this has come to. And so I'm mad and I'm ready to quit and everything. And then finally, I just looked at that man in the mirror <laughs> and I said... <laughs> This is it. It's time to make a change. (laughs) Gonna make it better. And so, like, basically, I put on my best, what I felt was, like, my Michael Jackson attitude, and I went downstairs, and I start dancing for Missy Elliott, because she had to see the costume, and she ends up... (laughs) I can't believe I'm telling the story. And so she ends up, like, approving the costume. She's laughing, and I turn around to leave, and as I'm leaving, she says... 
I actually, I, that shirt's too tight and I want to see his whole face. His face is the funniest part and sweetest words I've ever heard. And so I went upstairs, they gave me a large shirt, so it's still tight, and then I end up coming back down and competing against Missy Elliott in Dance Dance Revolution. Did you beat her in the video? No, she's amazing. The reason it's in there is because that's what she does to work out, I would assume, because she's unreal at it. Wow. And so I was- And you liked her. She was a real nice She was was super nice. nice. Yeah, super nice and everything. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, but if you'd ever seen the video, you wouldn't know that story about me being called Fat Michael Jackson. And there's a skinny Michael Jackson, but all you see is his socks. She says the line, something like getting down like Michael Jackson socks. And you see skinny Michael Jackson socks, and then it cuts to fat Michael Jackson. That's Because you had the moves. Yeah. Skinny couldn't so, do it. No. <laughs> well, my so question for you is, on your, on your not, path, we, on your path to, yeah. to extreme success, yes. on the way up uh-huh. to that moment, yeah. were there critical voices in your head that could have uh-huh. sabotaged you <laughs> from, doing from that? dancing with Missy Elliott? Well, yeah. I mean, when I'm sitting there and they're going, <laughs> fat Michael Jackson and the world's going to see my belly, I was like going, I can't do this. I really was. I was about to back out because of the voices in my head saying, don't be the fat guy joke. And then I just kind of got confidence and owned it and then went downstairs and danced for Missy and she loved it. And And honestly, you're on a podcast, thousands of listeners, and you're telling this story. You're still pretty confident <laughs> yeah, about yeah. it. You still just well, go, this is funny. They didn't see my belly. <laughs> <laughs> well, this interview is with a, a young woman named Carrie Green. She started an organization called the Female Entrepreneur Association. Uh-huh. She has 400,000 I know, amazing. Members. Unreal. She's really 400,000. She's an unreal woman yeah and she's incredibly humble and funny and yet determined and she's completely open about her chaotic life and (laughs) it's so fun when you ask somebody what's the trick to accomplishing this and she's like i don't know you tell me (laughs) when you find that out i just keep moving forward it's very comforting interview yeah so i think it's gonna be inspiring for a lot of people the reason that we talked about the voices in your head Uh are because she talked about struggling with that yeah and it's a phase in building your business of getting over what she calls the criticism committee yeah those voices in your head you know I remember I didn't go to college when I went to read college and audited classes but I don't know what that counts for Mm -hmm. but I never got a degree and we were poor. We couldn't really afford college. I couldn't get a scholarship. I mean, all, a bunch of excuses, right? But I remember always thinking when I was in high school, someday I'd like to lecture at Harvard University. That would be like the thing. <laughs> that said you made it. That would say, yeah, I would say I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm just one of the guys who went yeah, off to yeah. Texas A&M or University of Texas. And I got a chance 15 years later to guest lecture at Harvard. And I'm walking across campus one night on the way alone on the way to the lecture hall, about 400 people showing up. And I was extremely confident. I thought, that I got this. <laughs> like they, they don't even know what's about to hit them. And then I walked by the massive library and just realized, I don't know crap. I don't know anything. I'm the dumbest, literally the dumbest human being in the world. And it's fun. And they, literally, I'm like shaking in my boots yeah. going, and it went fine. But those voices... Man, they get to you and just say, you're not worthy. You don't belong here. You're not going to be able to succeed. And they seem to come to us at these harsh moments. And this is one of the phases that Carrie talks about. But the reality is it's a huge one. Yeah. And if we don't conquer this, we've got to crush these voices. And we've got to move on because the world needs what it is that you're making. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I've said that a lot. Be the best fat Michael Jackson the world's ever seen. I think the world needs that. I contend with your point. Heal the world, make it a better place. They need... Well, here's the reality. 
we got a fat Elvis for real. <laughs> and so, Jackson yeah. died too young. We really never got yeah. the fat Michael Jackson. So I will carry that torch. I appreciate you bringing that to us. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> with that, here's my interview with Carrie Green. Carrie Green, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's so good to be here. Absolutely. You know, you're a perfect guest because earlier we did a survey to our existing guests and a number of them are just starting their companies or their companies are sub quarter million dollars. I mean, they're really just trying to figure out how to do business. They're in that young toddler stage. They're growing, but you've got some great tips on getting from that quarter million or so up into the million, two million, three million uh, hopefully $5 million range. And and your book, She Means Business, Turn Your Ideas into Reality and Become a Wildly Successful Entrepreneur, shares a lot of great meat on how we can do this. So I'm glad you're here. Tell me, how did you start the Female Entrepreneur Association? How did you come to write this book? Give us a little bit of your journey. Um, okay, I'll give you the short version. So my entrepreneurial adventure, shall we call it, um, began in 2005. I just finished my first year at university and I'd completely run out of money. And so while trying to figure out what on earth I was going to do with my life, I stumbled into the online world and set up this business as a reseller unlocking cell phones. So, so unbelievably random. I was like, I don't <laughs> even know what that is. And I have no idea about online businesses. But you know what? This is way more fun than getting a job. And so I just thought I'm going to go for it. And so literally tried to realize very quickly I needed to learn a lot. And so went researching, learning, applying, and it became really successful. And then a few years after I'd graduated, I found myself feeling so lonely and isolated hmm. and kind of a bit lost. Like I'd started that business because I needed the money and I realized actually that the money wasn't all that that there was more mm. to life than money and I really wanted to do something that I enjoyed and that I loved. So I kind of went on an adventure to try and figure out what on earth that was, which took me to some pretty dark places. Um, it was just so frustrating. And eventually in 2011, I decided that I wanted to create a platform to bring together like-minded people, people like me who I could just chat to. I'm always like a cup of tea or a glass of wine and just like chat about this crazy entrepreneurial adventure and hear other people's ups and downs. And, you know, I wanted to create something that was a little bit more feminine because I loved like I love personal development, I love business books, but you know, so often it just felt like it wasn't geared to me. And so I just thought, you know what, there must be other people out there who are thinking exactly the same things. So I just created the Female Entrepreneur Association as a way to bring us all together and to uh, just talk and open up about the honest truth of what it's really like to be building a business, especially in the early days. Well, I think that the, the only part that sounded feminine to me was the tea and crumpets. I think you replaced <laughs> that with cigar and scotch and you got the same you got the same thing going on all over the place so yeah because it's a lonely place if you're starting this business wondering if you're doing it right that's a natural thing so but yeah. you know what strikes me though talking to you you're somebody who when there's a problem you just go fix it and that's i think that's part of the entrepreneurial spirit i'm feeling alone so i'm going to start an association and now there are four hundred thousand women involved in this association that's the spirit of an entrepreneur you're no longer alone are you no, definitely not. That's for sure. <laughs> you have the opposite problem. You're trying to get some of these women out of there? <laughs> never. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, in your book, you talk about six ideas that 
really kind of create a path, an evolutionary process for us as entrepreneurs and business leaders. The first is get clear on your business vision. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I feel like if you don't know where you want to go, any road will take you there. And so it's so important to know what your mission is. I feel like this in itself can be quite the journey. I feel, you know, you talk about creating a path for the entrepreneur, but the path is a crazy one. Like it just isn't straightforward. And I think it's, you have to honor that when you get started, knowing it's just an exploration and you have to go into it knowing that, you know, I'm going to explore and see what opens up for me. But I think along the journey, you have to get really clear. Okay, so what is my mission? What is my vision? What is really at the heart and soul of what I want to create and start kind of getting clearer and clearer and clearer about that. And I think it's an evolution, like as business evolves and develops and you take the action, that's when the clarity, you know, unfolds uh, and you, you can see the way forward. But yeah, it's so important though, to, to just have it in the front of your mind of like, what is you really the mission what is I always call it like the heart and soul it's kind of like your entrepreneurial north star knowing where it is you're going and it can be so simple like for me with the female entrepreneur association it's just a simple statement of I want to inspire and empower as many women from around the world as I possibly can to build successful businesses it's not unique it's not anything special or fancy but it's clear and it creates a filter for you I would imagine so when you get an opportunity to do something you're running it through this filter is is this helping me inspire and empower women to become entrepreneurial all over the world or do I need to say no to this? And and without that vision, you're just probably saying yes to a bunch of stuff that isn't heading anywhere. Exactly. So yeah, I think that's really one of the first things is trying to get that clarity around what that vision is and what it is you're trying to achieve. I think when I talk about the heart and soul, I mean, like for me, talking about inspiring and empowering women, it's you're putting so much feeling. It's not like I want to be a millionaire. Like right. <laughs> that's not the vision. The vision is what do I really want to create and how am I going to serve this audience? And it's trying to get to the heart and soul of that. You bring up an interesting idea. I think a lot of people would say, well, the vision is to make money. The vision is to build a profitable company. And of course, if it's going to be sustainable, it has to be. How much are there checks and balance systems in your life that one, you're trying to do what ignites your heart, and two, you're trying to create something that's actually sustainable? How do you live in the relationship between this impassioned vision to make the world a better place and this need to actually obey some laws of physics here as it relates to business and not crash and burn financially? I really like this question because it's something I've struggled with a lot. So when I built my first business, that was based on like wanting to make money and get myself out of a financial hole. And at the end, when it was so successful, it left me thinking, what is this it like what am I supposed to do in my life now and so I realized I started to have all these blocks around money and when I started FEA I just wanted to do something good I wanted to have a positive impact and I thought that if I could just focus on giving and giving and giving that I could create something successful Um, but I also had this weird belief that I didn't realize until a few years into it that if I diverted my focus and started focusing on how can I make money, that somehow I was going to be doing a disservice to my audience and my actions would be misplaced. And all of a sudden it would be about me taking rather than me giving. And I think a lot of people get this confusion when they're trying to do something because they want to do something good. It wasn't until I got myself into the most, into a hole financially because I wanted to give so much. I didn't want to take. And so that meant it wasn't sustainable. And when I hit that rock bottom, I realized I had to do something about it. So the one I finally did and I started to put that financial plan in place and think about the money piece, 
and started offering more to my audience, I thought, oh my goodness, what a disservice I've been doing to my audience. Because in fact, when I'm asking myself, how can FEA make more money? It's not me asking that question. It's asking how can FEA serve this community even better? Right. I just misplaced the two. And I think people often do. It was a massive eye-opening moment for me to realize that that's really what's awesome. Okay, well, so the first thing that happens when most people sit down and they establish a vision, they, they do the hard work of saying, here's what we are going to do, fear enters. The, I mean, you know, most people don't ever set a goal because the second you set a goal, you've also identified or you've created a number of challenges. And the second phase that you talk about after you establish a vision and start moving toward that vision is you're going to experience fears and doubts. And that's normal, I'm guessing, and you've got to move through them. Is that right? Yeah, so true. The resistance pops up. Yeah. <laughs> and it just, it, yeah, I mean, I feel like when you've got an idea in your head and you're, you've got this vision, you want to try and turn it into reality, and you've never done it before, it pushes you so far outside of your comfort zone. And that's like that little negative committee in your head, like, starts speaking up, being like, who are you to do that? Or you can't do mm. it. Are you crazy? Yeah, yeah. You know, and on top of that, you what have to do you do with that? I mean, you personally, <laughs> you, you had that early on. You obviously kept going, but how'd you keep going? Um, so I have this thing, I call it my bag of mindset magic tricks, <laughs> which is so weird. <laughs> I just use weird stuff to get me through. And basically, it's just like different things I've picked up along the way um, that really help me to keep going. So what are they? What's in your bag of tricks? Okay, so I have a vision board and I obviously put all my dreams and goals on that and just have fun. It's just something I just yeah. have fun with. But yeah. The biggest piece for me about this is that I also put words on my vision board. So one of them, in fact, I have this stuck all over my home, is the word trust. Because mm. I feel like when you've got that little voice going off in your head saying, you can't do it, you can't do it. It's like you have to find like a, an anchor to help you rise above the voice and think, no, like, stop, like, get out of my head. I'm going to trust that I can make this happen. It's a trust. In, when you say trust, you're talking about trusting yourself, trusting that, yeah, that trusting, you've got this. Yeah, exactly. Backing yourself, having your own back, trusting that you can that. make it happen, that you are good enough. And just for me, when I see that word trust, it just empowers me to think, come on, you can do it. And like I have this quote, I can and I will watch me stuck everywhere as well. And I see and I think whenever I'm having a moment of weakness where I'm like, you know, I can't do this on the negative committee started up. I look at that quote and think, yeah, you damn well can do this. And That's awesome. it's just little things like that that just can they're so empowering so I literally just immerse my life in those things and I stick them everywhere and I listen to visualizations and I listen to a lot of personal development I feel like you know if you're having a day where you're thinking oh I can't do this go and listen to a bit of you know Les Brown and just hear him talking in your ear and you think oh after listening to that you're going to be pumped up and you're going to think yes I can do this life is short I need to get out there <laughs> So I just That's infiltrate great. myself with this stuff, So and it works. And I think you have to go through this sort of phase two in order to get to phase three. You have to, phase three is about connecting with customers. It's about connecting with people. But until you really believe you have something to offer and that you're worthwhile being in the room and that you're a positive contribution to society, until you really believe that, you can't connect with people. But if, if we move through phase two... You talk about phase three, deeply connect with your audience, know who they are, define them, and deeply connect with those folks. How did that evolution work for you from phase two to phase three? And I imagine you go back into phase two often, but yeah. how, does it, how does it look to you to say, no, I know who my customers are and I want to deeply connect with them? Well, again, this is a whole evolution as part of the entrepreneurial journey. So at the beginning, I just knew I wanted to serve people that were like me. So I didn't actually have an audience at the time. So I just had to go off my own like challenges, desires, fears, and getting clear on what that was for me 
and to think maybe other people experience this too. And then as it's developed, it's just, I have always wanted to really get into the mind of my audience and understand her better, what is going on yeah. in her life. And so I'll often put out on social media, for example, questions. So I'll put like a nice little pretty picture out that will say something like, I don't know, what is your biggest business frustration at the moment? Or I can't think of anything else, but you know, like questions so yeah. I can understand them better and understand in their voice, in their words, what is going on in their world. And it really is eye-opening. And I think it's just constantly listening to your audience and asking the questions and just like, you know, even doing surveys and you know, getting them to open up more to you. And I think it's about constantly doing little things like that so you can get to know them better and better and better because then you can just serve them. That's probably the biggest thing any business can do if they want to grow is just start listening to your audience, start understanding yeah. who they are. And it's something that it's just so easy to skip. And I don't know if mm -hmm. men are tempted to skip this and, and women sort of sense the importance of it. It feels like in my journey as an entrepreneur, it's something I figured out after I started my business. I figured out, oh, wait, it's important to actually figure out who these folks are. Our company has only grown exponentially as we've actually staffed this position to just listen, to just understand who these folks are. That that come to you intuitively or was it counterintuitive to do it? Yeah, I think I just, I really wanted to understand them because I wanted to, I wanted to serve them, like, which I think leads into the next phase, really, of yeah. the whole journey is. For me, that is at the heart of building a business, serving your audience. And how can you serve them if you don't know who they are? You can't. In just a moment, I'll return to my interview with Carrie Green. Well, Kula Callahan is back in one of the most successful segments we've ever done on the Building a Story Brand podcast. Kula is one of our coaches. So all day business leaders call Kula and she talks to them about how they can make their websites better and more effective. You also look at a lot of other marketing collateral and talk about how they can improve that. And today you have brought us a test and it's a test every one of our listeners can take. Even right there listening to the podcast, driving in your car, you can take this test to know whether or not your marketing collateral is working. And that test is called the... Grunt test. Grunt, uh, the grunt the test. grunt test. And what in the world do you mean by the grunt test? So the idea behind the grunt test is this. The language that you use above the fold on your website, so without anyone having to click any buttons or scroll around, you want the language to be so simple and clear that even a caveman could grunt the answers to these three questions. So you hand your laptop to a caveman and you ask them three questions and they have to say, ruh, ruh, ruh. they have to grunt simple answers, primitive answers. Is that what you mean? That is exactly what okay, I mean. Okay, what are the three questions that caveman has to answer? So the first question is, what is it that you offer? Super simple. So this is from a- You wouldn't believe how many businesses don't get this right. They don't tell you what they're selling. And that happens way more often than you think <laughs> You'd be shocked. They're losing millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. What do you offer? What do you offer? Simple What's the next as that. question? Second question is how does it make the customer's life better? So what benefit is the customer going to get by engaging with your brand and doing business with you by using your product or service? And I, I love this because people think that others are buying their products and services because they want their products and services. They're not. They're buying it because they're trying to resolve some sort of problem that is going to make their life better. And unless you identify how their life is going to be better, there is no interest in your product. What do you offer? How will it make your life better? And then finally, what does the customer need to do to buy? So how do they get what you're offering? It is 
amazing the number of people we work with who do not ask their customers to buy their product or service. And I'm amazed at how many businesses think they're asking for the sale and they're not doing it. And even on the web, you really can't ask somebody to buy enough. It kind of feels like you're bombarding them when you start adding all these buy now buttons. But really, since you haven't been asking them to buy at all, they're finally realizing that you want them to buy your product. So go through your website. Are you very clearly explaining what it is that you offer, how it's making your customer's life better, and what people need to do to buy it. If that isn't obvious, within how many seconds, Cooler? Three seconds. Three seconds. People have to be able to answer. the. That means if you could show somebody at a Starbucks, a stranger, your website for three seconds, could they answer those three questions? If they can't, you're losing money. Now, simplifying these things is often very difficult. If you want to get away for two days and learn how to pass the grunt test on your website and all your marketing collateral, and not only that, improve all of the language that you use to talk about your business, there's hope. Go to storybrand.com and register for one of our workshops. That's storybrand.com. Register for one of our workshops, get away for two days, and clarify your message so customers engage. That's storybrand.com. Well, the next phase is create your brand and build a tribe of raving fans, subscribers, and customers. How do you take disengaged potential customers and turn them into raving fans? How do you do that? Simple. Wow and delight them. <laughs> like, wow and delight them. Just go above and beyond. So many people don't think to go above and beyond. Like, you're not just like an ordinary life. Like, when you go into a shop or when you do anything, people forget because we're just living our lives. But when you bump into an experience where someone has thought enough or cares enough about you to go above and beyond, it literally knocks you back and you go mm. and tell so many people about that experience because you're so wowed by it. And I yeah. feel like when people, when entrepreneurs, business owners, when they set about to put that at the heart of everything, like how can I wow and delight my audience? What can I do that they are going to love? You know, how can I make them fall more in love with this business because I am serving them to the best of my ability? When you start asking yourself that question on a daily basis, it's incredible what you can create. Um, that's how you build a raving tribe of fans and followers who absolutely love what you do. How do you think some interaction that you have with your customers and turn it into wow and delight? What have you done to sort of stand apart and make them feel more cared about? Give me a couple examples. So for example, with the membership site I have, it's just, this is really simple. It's a one email that goes out to new people joining. And it's like basically saying, we're really here for you and we just want to help you in any way. It sounds way better than what I'm making it seem like right now. But it's a really little tiny step that makes them realize oh my gosh, they are actually here. They do really care about me. I think it's also the way you communicate and interact with people and the messages you're consistently putting out there and how you're serving in that way. I feel like it's hard to explain it in the online world, but when you talk about in physical stuff, so for example, when we do events, it's like going above and beyond with what we create or the goodie bags or the goodie boxes we put together and the way we communicate with people to make them feel like it is a wow experience. Yeah. Um, there's a scenario I talk about in the book where 
I went into a shop in London and it's called Joe Loves and it's just a perfume shop. But this is no ordinary perfume shop. You go in there and it's an experience they've created. They have this like tapas bar, they call it, where you can like mix, they talk about the perfumes, they talk about the stories behind the smells and they create this whole experience for you with these stories and everything. And you just like so blown away. So obviously I ended up walking out having bought a body wash for my mum. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like the packaging, the attention to detail with every single step of what they did was just so phenomenal and so thought through. And when I left, I was like carrying this experience with me and then I went home and I raved about it and it's like it's the little details it doesn't have to be this big complicated thing I think it's the small things we do it's the stories we tell it's you know it's it's all of that that creates the experience and I think it's asking yourself the question how do I want people to feel when I'm doing anything whether it's a podcast whether it's an email I'm sending whether it's a video it's like how do I want my audience to feel that's what creates an amazing experience because I'm thinking about that that's the key to building a great brand. Well, if you do these things, you're going to succeed. You're going to get a lot more opportunities. And it brings us to this fifth phase, which is huge. And it's about focus. I watched a documentary recently about Warren Buffett. And Warren Buffett talked about how everybody who's successful that he knows has learned the art of focus. They just say no to most things. They manage their time well. So this whole fifth phase... Now you're being given lots of opportunity because your business is growing. You've done the things that you've just talked about. You got to learn to focus. Was it difficult for you when you, I mean, 400,000 women are involved in your organization. Your time has to be precious. How do you maintain focus? Uh, with difficulty. Um, <laughs> I feel like this is something to be really honest about because I go in like these ups and down waves of like sometimes I'm, I'm either really, really on it or I'm not. So I kind of like... I'm all out and then hibernate. <laughs> right. And I think it's just, oh, it's just so important to understand yourself and know how you work um, because it's not like a one size fits all type of thing. And for a long time, I used to beat myself up thinking I'm so disorganized. I'm all over the place. Like sometimes I feel like a headless chicken, but the most liberating thing I found is that you can be a headless chicken and really unorganized and you can still build a damn successful business. But if you know <laughs> you how you operate all yourself. of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true because I feel like so often we look out there at other people and we think, oh my God, they've got it all figured out. They've really got it together. They're so organized. And the truth is like, you know, most people don't have it all figured out and haven't got it all together. But I think that's really liberating to know. Um, but, you know, there's definitely things that have helped me. So, you know, just even simple things like having a daily planner and like planning out my week and knowing what I'm doing and also not being hard on myself like mm. some days I'm really chaotic and some days I am not like I didn't it's just understanding yourself well it's clearly it's, working yeah what you're doing is <laughs> tell me something that you've said no to recently that would surprise us some opportunity that you had that you went I'm not gonna do that because I'm gonna lose my focus if I do that oh it was um this just popped into my head. It was an opportunity to be involved in the Teachable Summit. And I really wanted to get involved, but I just couldn't because I just didn't have the capacity to do it. So it was hard to say no because I thought it would be a great opportunity. But no, I couldn't do it. You're just too busy. <laughs> the, the thing is, I'm so strict on myself because it's so easy to get shiny object syndrome and want to do like everything. <laughs> yeah. And I'm really strict and focused in the sense that I know what I'm doing and I keep it simple. For example, the past three years, I've focused on building my membership site exclusively, really. I've not worked on creating any other products or services because 
I knew if I'm going to have a breakthrough with the membership site and build that up, that I have to focus on it. And so I have, and then I had the breakthrough. There's thousands and thousands of members in there. And it's the same with anything. Like, for example, it's with social media. Like for me personally, I focus on Facebook and that's what enabled me to have the breakthrough because I sat down and I said, if I focus on this I, and I practice and practice getting better and better, I know I can be amazing and I know I can break through. Wow. And so yeah. I did. And I think if you hop around on like all social media platforms or if you hop around trying to create all these millions of different services and products for your business, you're going to just kind of go around in circles. And so for me, it's so important to you stick to your guns on what it is you're trying to accomplish. And it's so hard to do sometimes because sometimes things look really juicy and you want to take them, but you have to think, no, where am I really going with all this? And it's just discipline, isn't it? There are a lot of people who learn everything you're talking about. I mean, they, they get a clear vision, they move past their fears, they begin to connect with their audience and understand them. They build a tribe of raving fans. They learn the art of focus but they don't cross the finish line. And by finish line, I don't mean uh, you know, that they don't succeed. They may, in fact, succeed, but they don't move to that next level of the stratosphere because they're actually not okay succeeding. There's something deep in them that doesn't allow them to do that. And in your book, you talk about conditioning yourself for success. And I know this is a, an eight-hour conversation if we really wanted to go into it, of all the reasons people don't want to succeed. But I want to know from you personally, you know, you, you sound like a very humble and hungry woman. You sound very determined, but also you don't think too highly of yourself. You're just the average person who has done extremely well, proving that we all can. I would imagine you had to have some conversations with yourself, say, you know what, it's okay for me to succeed and move in this direction and become this person. Am I circling around the right idea here? Yeah, definitely. I mean, although I still feel like, I just feel like I'm on this adventure of being <laughs> an entrepreneur, the adventure of life. And just yeah. for me, it's all about growing. It's all about growth. So while I appreciate my own success, I feel like my mindset is how can I grow? And I think that's what's enabled me to keep going to another level and another level, just in terms of like business success and money and all that stuff. But in terms of like me as a person, like how can I grow and become like a better person or figure more stuff out about myself? And that's what's really helped keep me curious and helped enable me to go to another level. How have your relationships changed since you've achieved this degree of success? Your friendships from university and how have those dynamics changed? Well, thankfully, I've always surrounded myself with amazing people. So they haven't. I feel like people, I don't know, I'm the same old person. I'm the same person I've always yeah. been. Like, I don't think it's funny, though. The only thing I can notice is that back years ago, when I was, I'm, I always waffle on about being an entrepreneur and how amazing it is. And my, some of my friends were like, I really admire you for doing this, but it's just not for me. I've never been an entrepreneur. And now those people, the penny's starting to drop and they're starting up businesses. <laughs> and they're like, oh, wow. And it's really been cool to watch that happen. Is that affirming for you when you see this uh, character transformation in the lives of the people that you're working with? Yes, I love it because every time you see them going down this rabbit hole of this whole new world and it's like you see the excitement and you realize that they've all of a sudden grasped that there is such an opportunity out there for every yeah. single one of us. It's not a case of them looking at me and thinking it's all right for you, but it's not for me. They realize actually, you know what, this is mine for the taking too. And I love that because you know, success is everyone's for the taking. I always say success isn't an accident. We have to create it on purpose every single day. It's a choice mm. we make and we can all choose to make that decision. But so often people think that it's not theirs for the taking. So they never even make the choice to take it. So I love watching people like fall into it and just 
Oh, I think it's amazing because our lives change, completely change, and not just in business and success, but in terms of who they are as a person, that's the biggest transformation. And I think that's what I love so much about entrepreneurship. It's, it just changes who we are so much for the better, I think. Well, Carrie, I'm so grateful you would take the time. Carrie Green, author of the book, She Means Business, Turn Your Ideas into Reality and Become a Wildly Successful Entrepreneur. She's also founded the Female Entrepreneurial Association, and you can find that online. And we're grateful that you stayed up a little bit to take time. Oh, thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Carrie Green. If you'd like to download a worksheet, this is just an exercise that you can do very quickly to really help you process the things Carrie talked about. Exercises like getting clear on your vision, identifying the fears that you need to move past, understanding your audience, creating a brand and a tribe of raving fans, learning to focus and manage your time, and also condition yourself for success, you can download a specific worksheet for this interview at buildingastorybrand.com slash worksheet. That's buildingastorybrand.com slash worksheet. I love that interview. Just the practicality of being able to yeah, figure practic- out how to practically, succeed. Practically, here's how I succeed. Yeah. Right? I so don't mean to interrupt do- you, no, but no. I read to myself these <laughs> Missy Elliott lyrics uh-huh. <laughs> that you, you must intimately know because I you're do. in the video. I know that The well. party is ending at 2 a.m., <laughs> so whatever you must do, do it now. Uh-huh. Oh. Ching, ching, getting paid over here. Yes. <laughs> ching, ching, getting paid over here. Uh-huh. And my favorite line, see my moneymaker? Yeah. Feel my moneymaker. Yes. Those, that, those are both key. That's important. Yes. And, I, and I think there's something to literally <laughs> looking yourself in the mirror yep. and saying that to yourself. <laughs> Get paid over here. That's how you you set yourself up for success by saying "ching ching." Internalizing paid over internalizing here. that. All right. Well, here's what's going to happen. If you really succeed, there's mm-hmm. a danger of crashing and burning, uh-huh. <laughs> which is my segue <laughs> into next week's interview. Such a good segue of why certain leaders absolutely crash and burn and go into a death spiral of nonsense yeah. <laughs> the expert on the death spiral of nonsense is Stephen Mansfield actually he's a wonderful author he wrote a book called The Search for God in Guinness he's a leadership expert here's what's fascinating he's a guy who goes into situations after people have cheated on their wives embezzled money I mean on and on we were talking about billion dollar CEOs who are taking the world down with them. Yeah. Steven's the guy you call. Oh wow. And he's not a guy who goes in and spins everything and tries to cover up the dead bodies so nobody sees them <laughs> like that character from Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy who actually goes in and brings a lot of wisdom and a lot of healing and he's got this ebook out that just talks about the 10 symptoms you're about to go down and they are nothing. Nothing like you think they would be. I mean it. They're, they're just like, you listen to me and go, that makes complete sense, but I would have never thought of that. Wow. Little things that you can actually look at your boss and go, oh my word, they're doing that. Yeah. And what can we do to help? It's a fascinating interview. One of the best interviews I think we've ever done on the Building a Story Brand podcast. So I'm going to tease it a little bit. Just listen to this clip from my interview with Stephen Mansfield. I got here today 
by driving my car, which is powered by a series of small explosions. You and I probably will fly by the end of the month. That plane is powered by a series of small explosions. Small explosions are the smaller confrontations we need to have to keep us on track. It's the little correction your wife gives you today. It's the correction you give to your staff. It's the thing you say to your children. It's the way that you get things back in lines. If we don't have small, healthy confrontations and explosions, we're going to have the great, big, huge ones that blow up our lives. You definitely want to listen to the interview with Stephen Mansfield. JJ, this was a fantastic episode. It was fun. You were yeah. quite vulnerable at the beginning. <laughs> I was a little that's a, bit. That's a fantastic story. <laughs> Thank you for telling Ching it. We will, we will see if it survives editing, if you don't call it two in the morning and say, Chad, <laughs> get, cut, get, it. cut it, cut it, no fat Michael Jackson. <laughs> I have a feeling it's going to stay. As always, wonderful spending time with you, JJ. Music from this episode is by Andrew Bell. You can listen to Andrew's music on Spotify or iTunes. I want to thank you for listening to the Building a Story Brand podcast, where we believe if you confuse, you'll lose. Noise is the enemy, and creating a clear message is the best way to grow your business. 